Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me is my friend, my pastor, Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. We are in Luke chapter 13, verse 18 through 21, with the title of the message, What is the Kingdom of God Like? As always, my first question to John, as you prepared this message, what are some things that came to mind? First, I was really looking forward to the beginning of a new church year and thought this particular text would serve as a great reminder on the heels of a brand new church year that we are on mission with and for God. And I think the sermon and the text in particular rung that bell pretty loudly, consistently. We're on mission Wherever it is we go, we are royal ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. We are the agents of Christ serving the king and the purposes of the kingdom. And then secondly, the question on my mind was the question that served as the sermon title, which is, what is the kingdom of God? Like, I think all of us should be asking that question as Christians. What is the kingdom of God like? And so that was essentially what was on my mind as I prepared the message for Sunday, August the 14th. As you said, you helped this introduction go smoothly. That you know, what Your message was based on what is the kingdom of God like. And you said, quote, put simply, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that will be ruled by Christ. You see, Christ is not just our redeemer. He is also our sovereign king. End quote. And you went on to make the point that his kingdom is both present and not yet fully realized. And I know that there's so much about the kingdom of God that we will not know or have the answer to on this side of heaven. And you even gave us references where Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God on what we do know about it. And you pointed out that Jesus poses this question in verse 18 and verse 20. And tries to answer the question with these two parables, which the first parable was the parable of the mustard seed in verse 19. And the emphasis that you stated was on what this tiny mustard seed becomes, the growth and purpose that this tree becomes. You made the point that God wants the church to grow spiritually and corporately as the church. And so you gave us three simple actions to continue to reach more people. These actions were to pray, to engage, and to invite. As we attempt to make the kingdom of God known, what would you say is most crucial in combating the fast-spreading evil or sin in the world? That's a great question, and I think the answer would entail the following. Number one, prayer. I argued this morning in our Bible study time with the men that Prayer is probably the most difficult and often most neglected discipline of the the, uh, Christian life. Yet, it is absolutely necessary, particularly if we're going to navigate these waters that are becoming more and more 
evil and worldly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly prayer. And then secondly, I'd say an unwavering resolve to live as kingdom people. If we're not careful, we too as Christians can be seduced by the world and the ways of the world and the system of the world, which is certainly uh, commanded by Satan, uh, prince of darkness, whatever you want to call him. Uh, His presence and existence in this world is quite evident, yet he has the capacity to masquerade as an angel of light, as the Bible says. So I think an unwavering resolve to remember that we are kingdom people and that our king is Christ and that we serve an agenda that is otherworldly, while at the same time we serve in this realm, the earthly world, the earthly uh, realm, if you want to say. And then finally, this is so important, and I always try to find a way to get back to this in all of our podcasts is that we just have to recover our total confidence in the Word of God. And I cannot stress that enough. We just have to have confidence in the Word of God and then to, to flip it a bit, the God of the Word. We, we just, I'm, I'm so concerned that there are a lot of churches in the culture today in the West here in the United States that they're just losing confidence in the Bible. And, man, that's a fool's errand. That is not going to be good for anything or anybody, certainly not the church. So I would I would hope that anyone listening would be, you know, committed to prayer, committed to resolving themselves to live a life worthy of Christ, resolved to be kingdom people, and then we just cannot lose confidence in God's Word, which is why we put such a premium on the scripture in our corporate worship gathering in our bible study classes on sunday morning it's why we offer class after class and opportunity after opportunity for god's people to study the word of god so that our confidence in his word will not waver that's a stab at uh, of an answer to a great question i appreciate that that answer and i mean you hit the nail right on the head i think it all starts as prayer as you petitioned for us big time this morning and and rut for sure is that it all starts in prayer and it's one of those disciplines that we all struggle with yes and it's a hard one and so i appreciate um that answer and it's just i also appreciate what you said sunday in your in your sermon is that to make the kingdom of god known we have to be people who who believe the word i mean you didn't say it exactly like that mm-hmm. but as you just said, even if emphasizing the word, mm-hmm. and that's something I've always appreciated about this church, but also your leadership in that is, is how much you uphold to that word. And, and so I think that's a great answer is the only way that we're going to continue to um, be able to combat is by prayer and by the word of God mm-hmm. and what he tells us to do, because that's how he speaks through us. Yes. Too many times, too many churches we have to, we think that it have to, we have to have this special crazy which that happens still mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't but God still speaks to us through His Word. Oh, absolutely. And so, anyways, that was just a free nugget. Sorry, <laughs> but as we go, you transitioned into your second parable, um, which was the parable of the leaven in verse 21, and you explain that leaven is a substance that causes the dough to rise. And you said that one could argue that the mustard seed represents the external growth 
of the kingdom, whereas the leaven represents the internal development of the kingdom. So my question is, can you maybe expand on what the internal development of the kingdom is and why it's so important? Uh, Yes. If you recall in the sermon, I spoke of the mustard seed that it was minuscule in size, maybe one to two millimeters, but it could grow as tall as 15 feet. And the idea was that it is something you see that grows and expands. And I talked about how in a 40-year period post, I believe, either crucifixion or resurrection, I'd have to go back and listen to the message again to be absolutely precise. But one of those two, within 40 years of one of those two events, the gospel had spread through the entire Roman Empire. That's incredible. Uh, 40 years the gospel spread uh, very quickly. So that's the external part where you see the growth and you see the expansion and it develops and it spreads and you see the fruit of that. Now, internally, what I would say how you would define that is, and this is very simple at least for me, um, it involves the formation of Christ within each of us as Christ followers. There's more to the Christian experience than what others see. And generally what others see is at least in part what is going on within us. And it is the Spirit of God, Christ in us, and God's Word at work in us that forms Christ in us. And I think that's when I identify and define what the internal aspect is of the kingdom, it's Christ in us, Christ being formed in us. In fact, according to Romans 8.29, that is actually God's goal for us is to conform us to the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So I think that's where the internal, and then the more Christ in us, the more Christ is formed in us, then you're going to see more fruit of that, the external. So both are necessary. Um, So we can't get that out of balance. It seems to me the more Christ is being formed in us, the more fruit will be born from our lives. It seems like a natural progression, the natural result of what is going on within us finds its way in the overflow of what comes out of us. At least hopefully. Yeah. So hopefully you know, hopefully all of us God is at work in us to make us more effective in the world where He's placed us by virtue of the fruit that's born from our lives. That's an aspect of it for sure. Absolutely. And that that that's really good and it made me think of and you know, I I could be wrong in this, but I, I really do think there's truth to even as you were talking, we've talked about it before, is that we see that even in our culture today is how much of that internal aspect has gone away, not only from our culture, but even from our churches, how important it is to, to continue to grow in Christ and who God is. As you see that, why our nation is, I'm, I'm not putting a blanket statement of, you know, it's the church's fault, but what I'm saying is the, more, the less we focused about being more like Christ, we see that there's been so much evil within the world that people have continued to live the ways of the world and not the ways of Christ. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm again not giving this blanket statement of this is the reason why we're here. Yeah. But I do think that, and you made this petition, and we're going to kind of talk about it later in the next point too. But you made the petition of more than ever, people of God, we have to realize what is going on and have to take a stand and walk in the ways of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, as you were answering that, I just thought about is how, and I think so many times that both aspects are so important, absolutely, but we forget this internal aspect that we're mm-hmm. continued to call, be called to this righteousness that Christ calls us to. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, if I could piggyback on what you're saying, I, I thought one of my prayers as we were trying to come out of COVID, uh, COVID has changed almost everything and I've resisted for so long admitting it I just refused to let that be an excuse and it's not an excuse as I view it anymore as much as a a reality that COVID has so impacted every facet of life globally and even locally and one of the one of the prayers I had I think fairly consistently one of the I, I asked the Lord, uh, and I'm not the only one who did, but I asked the Lord to help us come through this and that we'd be a deeper church. I think that speaks to the internal because we're not the same church externally. Uh, our numbers aren't back to where they were. We're working on it. And we're all concerned about it, and we're working to that end and laboring towards that goal. But the greater goal that has been on my mind and heart has been that we would come out of this deeper Christians, richer Christians, more like Jesus kind of Christians. It's easy to show. I mean, I, I think it's easy to just simply show up at church. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how much easier can it get? But to really live the Christian life in the face of adversity and suffering and mm-hmm. persecution and difficulty, and there are Christians around the world that would gladly trade places with any Cleburne Christian uh, any day of the week and twice on Sunday because the life they live is excruciatingly hard. And perhaps part of what God was doing with COVID was to refine, put us through a fire, so to speak, to refine us so that when we came out of that and are coming out of it, we're deeper and less fearful and more faithful and more trusting in God. I mean, that was a dreadful time i don't think anybody looks back on that and says man that was awesome <laughs> you know right i think in time we may say that but you know people who got really sick some people lost their lives and then the church you know we just had to quote unquote shut down temporarily and then when we came back we've not been the same individuals or same corporate body and i think in some ways we've come back stronger so the internal external thing is always going to be kind of, I don't know, in juxtaposition to each other. Yeah. At least. Absolutely. Forgive me. I, was, I probably shouldn't drone on about that, but no. thanks for letting me butt in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I'm sorry I brought that point up to you, but I just <laughs> thought it was, I just thought it was, as you were saying that, it's a good thought that we, again, just that statement of we need to be the church mm-hmm. and we need to continue to grow in Christ and who yeah. he's called us to, so. Uh, I also just wanted to point them to that was also a big statement in your message so go, or sermon, so please go listen to it. <laughs> that was toward the end, by the way. And it was pretty pointed, just like there's an expectation from God that the people of God act like the people of God. Absolutely. And I was speaking to myself first, of course. 
in you know to continue on this parable that you talked about in verse 21 you continued and kind of threw a question at us and asked if what if these parables are warning about the spread of evil in the world and you said this you know to throw uh to kind of throw a wrench into things and and you talked about the advance of evil and how it starts small and causes major effects your point was to make your listeners to understand that we as God's people must act like God's children. And so in this specific parable, if it is a teaching on evil, my question is why do you think he uses these terms to describe the kingdom of God? I'm grateful you're asking the question because I left that intentionally pretty open-ended, and I'm glad for the opportunity to circle back and make clear that I really think Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God because the text says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Right. It couldn't be clearer. But I was just throwing you know, a wrench into the issue to make us think that on another parallel, evil can spread just as rapidly, quickly, and as pervasively as Christianity. Scary how quickly evil. It is scary to me how quickly evil has advanced in the last six months. Trace back six months, 12 months, 18 months. It's overwhelming what has happened, even just in the United States of America. Go back and look, search it out for yourself. And so it's, uh, to me, it's a good reminder that. This particular parable could also be illustrative of how evil can spread in our lives, in our culture, in our nation quite rapidly. And it, and it starts with something very simple. Um, we start laughing at it, and, and, and the sitcom industry is masterful at introducing something that on the front end we find revolting, repulsive, and then we laugh at it. And we laugh at it for a while, and the next thing you know, it's accepted. It's mainstream, and it ain't going anywhere now. And even though it may still bother you, that the quickest way, it seems to me, to disarm a society is to get them to laugh at something. Or at least that's one of the most effective ways. Um, because humor and laughter is, you know, it's, it can be quite disarming. Sure. But then it, it introduces you to ideas and concepts lifestyles that you would ordinarily never agree with. Uh, so I think evil can s start something very simple and then become quite widespread rather rapidly. It's like the frog in the kettle illustration. Like if you throw, I'm sure everyone's heard it, if you throw a frog into a kettle of boiling water, that frog's going to jump right out, right away. Mm-hmm. However, you put a frog in a kettle of water and just slowly increase the heat, he'll boil in there. He becomes, he becomes uh, what do you call it, used to, comfortable, acclimated to his surroundings. And before he realizes it, he's being boiled, boiled to death. It's gruesome, but I, I would never recommend doing that. <laughs> but I think it's, um, you know, it's a kind of analogy for what you can observe quite easily if you're looking for what can happen really quickly in a person's life, a family, 
a church, uh, a, a community. You, know, you pick a nation, world, organization, fill in the blank. So, yeah, I think it's helpful to remember that just as what we do on a small scale can advance and grow and become quite compelling, can, on the other hand, be equally evil can spread in a similar fashion. So we have to be mindful of that, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate you answering that. (laughs) And I know that's probably a question for a lot of um, listeners. And so I think that was a really good answer and that we do need to be on alert. And um, so be on alert, folks. Be ready. So as we close, John, what are some final thoughts? Yes, uh, I wanted to circle back to a statement that was made in the sermon that um, you, you covered it in the opening of the podcast is that we view Christ as our Redeemer, but we need to add to that that he's also our sovereign king. And as one last thought, I, I look for opportunities to hammer this home. There's a lot of Christians who are totally okay, comfortable, welcoming of thinking of Christ as Redeemer. Hmm. But by virtue of how they live, the honest truth is they've not quite bent their knee to Christ as King, as the Sovereign. And the argument goes, well, I need Jesus as my rescuer, as my Savior, but I'm not quite ready (laughs) to give up and abandon my sin. And as I read the Bible, and as I understand the gospel, you can't have it that way. That you take Christ both and. He is both your Savior and Lord. He's not your Savior now, and then when you're ready to get serious about the walk of the Christian, then you take him as Lord. It doesn't, you're, you take him as Savior Lord. Not Savior now, Lord later. We have to resolve this. We've, we've done a terrible job in our churches. I'm guilty too. Um, I've done a better job in my preaching of making this truth more in front of people, but I know certainly in the beginning of my preaching ministry, I just blew it. So having said that, it seems like a good opportunity to circle back as a final statement and just say, Jesus is Savior and Lord, and you cannot have him only as Savior. He's both simultaneously, and that's what you're committing yourself to. He's your rescuer and sovereign. He's my king. And we say, you know, Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords, and we love throwing that around. But it shouldn't be a statement we throw around. It should be a statement that we completely resolve to, to live according to. Jesus is my Lord. He's my king. Uh, it would be helpful, I think, if we lived in a monarchy. Because <laughs> I think people who live in a monarchy, you know, they get this idea of a king. There's one king, right. one boss. And, and Jesus, is for the Christian in the kingdom of God, he's the king. We are subject to him. Not only is he our redeemer, but he's Lord. I love the concept. I, I want to live more faithfully underneath that concept, and I certainly want to be more faithful in preaching that truth. So that's kind of my last thought, uh, primarily for myself, I suppose, but y'all are welcome to listen in. That's good. And 
I hope they listen in because I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Mm-hmm. So now as we try to do our best to transition from that to our That Stupid segment, which I know all of y'all, that's the only reason why y'all listen. <laughs> exactly. So. We're grateful that you listen <laughs> to that even. Absolutely. Um, but let's, John's given us our That Stupid segment today. Okay, I, got, I have something on my mind that just needs to see the light of day, perhaps you're feeling the same way as you drive around our community. You're seeing more and more, and not just our community, but other surrounding communities. We're seeing more and more car washes. And my understanding is we're at a stage two kind of mm-hmm. conservation effort as a community, realizing we're experiencing some drought conditions, and yet more and more car washes are popping up. I'm sorry, people. I just think that's stupid. Don't wash your cars right now. Uh, just don't do it. Wipe them down with a cloth. That's what I do. Uh, don't. Anyway, I know people are going to go out and wash their cars because people like their cars. But it just seems to me these car washes, we need to tap the brake on the car washes because of our water situation. I think that's stupid, but that could just be me. That is stupid, but isn't, aren't the car washes uh, filtered? Don't they have filter systems that just filter the old dirty water through? Perhaps, and every, everybody <laughs> wants to wash their car with dirty filtered water <laughs> i mean for crying out loud uh, I, I don't know about the filter system but it's probably something similar like like what you have in your refrigerator uh, i have a i have a refrigerator that has a filter in it and it's always telling me i need to change the filter and i just reset the interval button and i keep using the filter i, I think even having a filter on my refrigerator water is stupid but uh, i don't know how all that works out but it seems dumb to me that we have all these uh, car washes at play right now. and So go take advantage of the free vacuum, but maybe hold <laughs> off on washing your car just now. I mean, if you want to wash your car, uh, you know, fill up one bucket of water and use it, and I don't know, then maybe it'll rain. But w- w- you know, tap the brakes on the car washes. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. That's pretty <laughs> stupid to think that it's filtered. <laughs> it filtered. <laughs> I mean, Sorry to offend anybody. It, it's like uh, it's like rinsing your mouth out with uh, with water that you've already spit into the sink. <laughs> if y'all want to do that, y'all go right ahead. But I'm gonna take a pass. Uh, that's well, that's <laughs> stupid. And if you're getting your car washed still and it, we're in drought conditions, don't be offended. I'm, we're <laughs> not trying to offend. We're you. trying to help people here. <laughs> We're just trying to save our lake is all. <laughs> That's right. Save Lake Pat Cleaver. <laughs> uh, that'd be good on a sign. Well. Oh, boy. If you, have, uh, if you have concerns about today's podcast, you can send those to mpearson <laughs> at fieldstreet.com. mpearson at fieldstreet.com. Oh, good shout-out to our, to, our, to our student pastor for sure. <laughs> well, guys, as always, thanks for joining us. And to end this session, remember – Make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Thanks, y'all. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.